Grab your Bibles, if you would, and go to Psalm 108, if you would, please. Psalm 108, let's stand. We'll read our text this morning, and I'll give you what the Lord gave me out of this passage. I'm looking forward to preaching this this morning, I think. I think it'll be a help to you. Psalm 108, notice verse number 1. The Bible says, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise, even with my glory. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you so much, Lord, for the word of God. Thank you for how good you are to us. Thank you for all your blessings. God, help us. We need our hearts fixed this morning. Lord, in both senses of the meaning. So I pray that you would do in and through us and among us what only you can do. Help us, God, to give you the best thing that we can give you, which is our hearts. We need to understand what that means, and Lord, we need to understand how to do it. We need your Holy Spirit to turn the lights on so we can get a hold of this stuff. Lord, without you, we can do nothing. We can't even understand these things without you. We can't even understand ourselves. if you don't help us this morning. So we ask you for help in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Notice again at verse number 1, he said, O God, my heart is fixed, I'll sing and give praise, even with my glory. Awake psaltery and harp, I myself will awake early. I'll praise thee, O Lord, among the people, and I'll sing praises unto thee among the nations. I got thinking about this, because as you go down through this passage like we will, you're going to recognize that there were some things around David that he couldn't fix. Just like in your life and in my life, there are things you can't fix. I'll never forget back in business, they would tell us that we have to learn to control the controllables. You can control some things, you need to control what you can, and the uncontrollables you have to deal with, if they're uncontrollable, there's nothing you can do. You've got to figure workarounds, or you've got to deal with what's been dealt. But control the controllables. When it comes to life and the things of this world, when it comes to your heart and my heart, That is, to an extent, a controllable. You and I have to realize that we have to take responsibility for our heart and fix it where it needs to be fixed. Now, when I use the word fix, this is what's wonderful about the King James Bible. When I use the word fix, your mind typically would go, in this generation with our understanding of the English language and all that stuff, your mind would go to take something that's broken and make it better, right? And that is an accurate definition for that word. But when you look up in a Webster's 1828, the old English meaning, and when you study that in context of what David is saying here, the old English meaning is anchored, which you would understand when we kind of spell it out. Your mind probably initially went to it's broken, needs to be fixed. But when we start to spell it out, you go, yeah, that makes sense too. It's like fixed in place. It's anchored. It's fastened. It's decided. decided it's settled. And then the Old English meaning also, the last meaning of the word fixed is repaired. Well, the amazing thing about God is that he does fix your heart. I mean, it's a blessing to know that he's there to take care of us and patch us up when we're broken. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 17 verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. (laughs) What a great thing for God to say about your heart. You ever hear people talk about other people? Oh, he just has such a good heart. Well, not according to God's estimation. Oh, she's such a good person. She's got a great heart. 
You know, nine times out of ten when we say that, it's because we're trying to cover up something that shouldn't have been said or done. Well, they're well-meaning. Well, how do you know they're well-meaning? Well, they swear up, swear up and down they are. Do you know your heart can deceive you? The Bible says, brethren, if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. So your heart can deceive you both on the bad side of that meaning, and your heart can also deceive you on the good side of that meaning. Here's what I mean by that. You sometimes can feel guilty when you're not guilty at all. Lucifer is the master of what is called false conviction. Make you feel guilty, make you feel wrong, make you feel like you did something when you really didn't do anything at all. Believe it or not, predators are the masters of that. They're the masters of making their victims feel like they're responsible for what happens. Very demonic and predatorial mindset. To where you put the other person under guilt, under conviction, that's not theirs to carry, and thereby manipulate and control them because you're as evil as Lucifer himself. And people fall prey to that. That's why the Bible says, brethren, if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. So sometimes you feel guilty and you ask God, forgive me, God, forgive me, God, forgive me. And God's like, I already did. Or forgive you for what? You're not guilty. But on the other side of that coin, and I'd say more people are this way, we say, well, I didn't mean it that way. Mom and dad, don't fall prey to that manipulation from your kids. Well, I didn't mean to disobey. You did disobey. That's all that we're worried about right now. Well, I didn't mean it. You backtalked. Well, I didn't mean it. Yes, you did. Because the Bible tells us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, right? Jesus said over there in Matthew and again in Mark, he said that all the things, all the sinful things, all the wicked things, adultery, murder, fornication, lying, stealing, cheating, envy, rottenness in your spirit, gossip, all the rest of that stuff comes out of our hearts. Why did I do that? Because your heart's wicked. That's why you did it. I fell into sin. No, you didn't. Your heart was in sin a long time before you committed the act. You don't just all of a sudden one day live in right, filled with the Spirit of God, and then just fall into some kind of sin. Let me just, I feel led to say it. Long time before you step out on your spouse, you're feeling chemistry. Long time before you actually commit the act, you're having coffee. Long time before it actually goes there, you're having dinner. You're there to help them through their hard time. You better watch it. It's coming out of your heart. That's the problem. You didn't just fall into sin. You and I got to realize this morning that our hearts are wicked and it'll deceive us and it'll lie to us. And the devil understands that about the human heart so he'll do it on the spiritual side to make you feel guilty when you're not and he'll also do it on the spiritual side to make you feel good when you're not. So what's the answer? A fixed heart. I mean, Jesus Christ is the one that can forgive you of a sinful heart. Can he not? I mean, if you're not saved this morning, the number one thing is you need to be born again. Jesus said, you must be born again. It's not an option. It's not a choice. Your heart cannot get fixed until there's a new man inside ruling in your heart. You've got to give your heart to Jesus Christ. But allow me to say that just because you're saved, if you are, excuse me, 
Ah, I needed that. Sorry. <laughs> well, that's very unclassy, but I'm trying not to cough all over you and all that stuff, right? Can I say this, though? You need to give him your heart, but just because he has your heart does not mean you're good to go forever. Now, saved-wise, application to your salvation, yes, right? That doesn't mean you can just let your heart go. A lot of you have heard the testimony of some of these guys that were in these heavy metal rock bands that got saved, you know. You know what I found out about one of them? One of the most evil guys that you ever would imagine. Some of the most evil music ever. You know what he said? He said he got saved at 12. Lead singer for a very rotten band. He said he went into his, he had a friend of his from school and he, he, he had spent the night at his friend's house and he was 12 years old and his his friend was actually a real good Christian family, and his family wasn't. His dad was an alcoholic, and he went to an Episcopal church or something like twice as a kid and knew nothing about God, and God wasn't even in the equation. He went to his friend's house at 12, and his friend's mom had been witnessing to him and talking about Jesus, and his friend said, you need to ask Jesus in your heart. So he went home that, that after that little sleepover with his, at his buddy's house. He went home. He said he went to his dad's bathroom and shut the door and just said, God, if you're real, I, I must need you. Jesus, would you come into my heart? He said he really thinks Jesus did come into his heart at 12, but he's not sure. He winds up getting mixed up in the wrong crowd. His buddy went to school. His buddy went and got onto the football team and got with the jocks and all the cool kids and, and was super successful, good established Christian family and didn't get all mixed up. This kid went off into drugs and all the rest of that stuff and wound up singing in one of the number one. They couldn't believe it when their band hit, sold 25 million copies back in the 90s. Couldn't believe that they got as big as they got. Some of the most satanic and wicked music taking this country by storm. I mean, if you sold 25 million copies, there was only 300-something million people in this nation. You realize how many people out there are connecting with him? You know why he said he, they connect with his music? He said because their music is full of emotion. He said their music comes out of their heart. He said our music, heavy metal, angry music, he said our music is built on pain. You know what it is that he doesn't understand because I have a Bible and I understand it? It's not just pain, it's bitterness. And they sing these songs and so many people, you can't even understand the words they're saying. You have to read the lyrics to know what's being said in the music. But before people even know what's being said, there's a spirit about that thing, and it's appealing to their sinful, hurt, bitter, angry hearts. And they're loving that music, and they're spending, they're making these guys millionaires. And the whole process of that whole thing, he was so strung out on crystal meth that when he's getting ready for tours, he's packing it all over the place, that finally when he got to the end of himself, he's an alcoholic, a drug addict, his life has fallen apart, his marriage was shot. Just shot. Because he's coming home from being on tour, having living the American dream, all these kids are worshiping this guy, thinking that this is what it's all about, listening to their music in their own life, and it's breeding all that bitterness and that evilness in the heart and that anger and that rebellion and all that I'm angry because I'm hurt and I got a right to be and lashing back out at the world and while they're following this role model his life is falling apart he's a train wreck but they all look up to him he's the cool kid he finally gets to the end of himself and turns back to God and goes to church 
gives his life to Christ. I mean, I mean, really, he, he, he's not sure when he got saved, but he says, the Lord Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. I asked him to come into my heart and save me, and Jesus Christ came into my heart and saved me. That's his testimony. You know what he is now? After, after just like exploding on the scene of this guy got saved and getting away from all that music, he's back with the band. You know why? It's a heart issue. Now, keep that in your mind because I'm going to show you as we go through this thing this morning why you need to guard your heart because there's an attack from the devil that he fell prey to. And these lame preachers that don't know their Bibles are promoting him even though he's back with the band. I'm talking evangelical preachers are putting him out there in front of their church and in front of their people saying this is God's doing. He didn't protect his heart. Just because you're born again does not mean you can't and won't fall prey to the devil. This morning you need your heart fixed on Jesus Christ. He's the one that can fix you of the pain, of the bitterness, of whatever's going on that's wrecking you and hurting you. Hey, Jesus Christ can fix it. But once he fixes it, you better fix your heart on him. Because if you don't fix your heart on him, your life can wind up twice as bad as it was before you were saved. Hey, thank God your soul won't. Amen? But what about your life? I think a lot about life. I think a lot about what really matters. Like really, like really, what like really matters. Here's the way I like to put it. What's going to matter in 50 years? That's not that long. <laughs> I know if you're young, that seems like a long time, but it's not that long. What's going to matter later? I'll tell you this much. I can't control everything that happens in life. I, I really wish I could. Man, if I could be... If I had the power to control like I want to control, I would control every one of you. Because I love you. I would be like, you're going to love Jesus Christ with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, because that is the first and the great commandment. It sums up all the law and the prophets. It fixes all your spiritual issues. It'll help you out. If I could just make you love God. If I could make your wives love God. If I could make you men be husbands like Christ who loves his wife like Christ loves the church. If I could make you women understand God knows what's best for you. And the way God's laid out a family and a Christian home and a godly marriage, the way God set that thing up is not bondage. This world's lost their minds. They don't know what they're talking about. You don't need equality. No, you don't need equality. None of you, male or female. Nobody, you kids don't need equality. Listen, you're not my equal. You're a kid. I'm not a kid anymore. Went to buy some of that NyQuil, you know. They look at me, what's your birthday? No, no, can I see your ID? Like, I'm, I'm offended. 
The lady looked at my wife and she's like, I would have asked you, honey, but I don't need to ask him. <laughs> I'm not a kid anymore. Listen, listen, this isn't me saying I'm better than you if you are a kid. I don't feel like I'm better than you. Do you want to know something? You're not going to believe this. I look at some of these kids and I think, man, I wish I was like them when I was that age. They're better than I was. Do you know some of you sitting in church, listening and paying attention, if I'd have had your life when I was your age, I don't know where I'd be. But you want to be in church. Man, what a character. I don't think I'm better than you. I'm saying we're not equals. We gotta stop worrying about all that equality garbage. Be who you are. Is that okay to just be who you are? Just just whatever, wherever I'm at, whatever God made me, whatever my status is, whatever my rank is, if I could just get, if I could control people to understand that and just say, be happy with who you are and where you're at in life and what you are in life and accept it and do the best you can now by loving Jesus Christ with all your heart and being the best child you can be, being the best wife you can be, being the best husband you can be, the best dad, the best mom, the best grandma, the best grandpa, the best single person, the best you can be by loving God. Fixing your heart on him. That help everybody so much. But, you know, God's not a Calvinist. And I'm not a Calvinist. God's not a cult leader. I'm not a cult leader. I can't control you. And you know what I figured out? Here's what I figured out. I don't even think I can really control myself. I need, I need fixing. I need help. I can't control the circumstances of my life and unfortunately that means painful things happen. Hurtful things come. Opportunities to take that pain. Hear me. Hear me. This is going to offend you if this, does, if, if this is what you do. It's going to offend you. Take my pain and enjoy it. I don't enjoy it. You think I want to be this way? Yeah. I think it's become your badge of honor. I think it's become who you are. Here's proof. All you talk about is what's been done to you. All you talk about is who hurt you. All you talk about is the inconsistencies of other people and the unfairness that was dealt to you 20, 30 years ago. You know what that is? That's bitterness. How do I know? Because it's what you always talk about. You realize I've talked to people that have been divorced for 20 years with the new spouse right here and talk to this individual with this one right here and all this individual ever wants to talk about is their ex from 20 years ago. I'm looking like, what is, how does that make you feel? I mean, what in the world? Like, when are you going to just stink and smack him? That's <laughs> yeah, your little baby, isn't it? Poor me. That heart needs fixing. Because honestly, sometimes it's like, man, I don't know if I could get over it either. I'm not, I'm not beating up on them. I don't know if I could get over what some people have been through, man. Like, wow, I, I just, the older I get, the less hard on people I am. I mean it. I'm not being a jerk this morning. I'm not trying to be a jerk about that. I'm saying like, really? And at the same time, like, what would I do in his shoes? I'm, I'm less and less into talking about people. I'm less and less into saying what we should and shouldn't do. Because, man, that heart's a tricky thing, boy. You know who can help it? The one that made you. 
He can help it. You need to fall in love with Jesus Christ and keep yourself in love with Jesus Christ. And if you don't love him like you should, boy, this morning you need to ask his help on it. Having your heart fixed on the Lord will help you to have faith in verses 4 through 8. Look at it. For thy mercy is great above the heavens, and thy truth reacheth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, and thy glory above all the earth, that thy beloved may be delivered. Save with thy right hand and answer me. God has spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. I will divide Shechem and mete out the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine, Ephraim also is the strength of mine head, Judah is my lawgiver. Now what you see here is that David, when he had his heart fixed on God, he recognized that the truth of God and the mercy of God expands beyond even his own limitations. He said, thy truth reacheth up to the heavens. I mean, listen, what came down from heaven? He was the way the Truth and the life. What we need to get a hold of this morning is that the, your faith in God will be strengthened when your heart is fixed on the Lord. When you fall in love with Jesus Christ like you should, you'll be looking around at the problems going on in this world that he talks about as he gets farther down in the passage, but he's recognizing, God, you got it. It takes faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When the circumstances start spinning out of control and things are happening that you can't, you, you didn't want it to turn out this way. You don't know why this keeps happening. You can't control it. You can control your heart. And when your heart is fixed on Him, it strengthens your faith in God in the middle of your storm. You recognize what he's doing is bigger than me and the circumstances of my life. This thing reaches off into eternity and I need to keep my heart fixed on God because 50 years from now, if I don't, I'm going to mess up what he's trying to do. And he's the truth. So he, he's got it under control. Think about who Jesus Christ is. He, he's your savior, right? From your sin. Hey, you're his bride. Right? You know how you're supposed to look at him? Like your knight in shining armor. Back when our society was a little bit more normal, when people were more normal, when, when women were women and men were men, back in that, you guys remember that day back in that day? I know you do because a lot of you men are men and you women are actually ladies. And I respect that. I think it's great. I still think men should hold the door open for women. Step back and say, excuse me, ma'am, and let them go first. I think that's good stuff. I think it's pretty cool when men go open the car door for women. That's an old school, ain't it? I can open the door for myself. Okay, fine. Bang, you know. I mean, I don't mean, oh, know. That's terrible. I should. <laughs> I've had my face ripped off for doing that. I used to just drop it and walk away because I'm such a punk. But as I get older, when they do that now, I... Add a little bow to it, you know what I mean? Really tick them off, you know, and smile. Yes, ma'am. Back in that day, you know all the romance movies? The, I'm, not, I'm talking about like the Hallmark style or like cartoons, okay? Got to clarify these days. On the pure, all things are pure. Anyways, that's a different message. So here's the deal. The, the women always needed the help. And the men came in as her knight in shining armor. 
And that was like, that was okay, right? That was a great story. And they worked together because he really would die of starvation or some kind of a bacterial infection in the house if he didn't have her to help him. I know what I'm saying right now is probably like, I'll probably get kicked off of YouTube, censored, and we'll be like people picketing outside. Talking about back, back when we were normal, the bride looks at her bridegroom as her savior because he loved her when she was unlovable. And he showed up to care about her when nobody else cared. Be not bitter against him, God tells you men. Why? Because that happens. He said, if you get bitter against her, I won't listen to you. God wants you to act towards her the way Jesus acted towards you. You know what Jesus is? He's your savior. He loves you no matter what. He knows stuff about you nobody else knows. Nobody knows. And he would never ever tell. That's why I said what I said about being careful with your testimony, judging up the past. He'd never tell. And he loves you anyways. What a God. He knows the truth about you, about your circumstances, about your messes, and he came and showed up to fix it up anyhow. My, what a Lord, what a God. When I look at the Lord like I can, when I look at him like the Bible shows him, I can't help but love him. I can't help but say that's where I want my heart locked into. I want my heart attached to that. I want my heart fixed on that. I want my heart, I want my heart one with that. He's fixed my heart. And I've had a broken heart more than once. Don't tell nobody, but I've cried more than once from a broken heart. And I'll tell you this today, I love God. And you know what else? It's people that broke my heart. Circumstances have too, but people have hurt me more than anything else. And you want to know what he's, he's able to do? He's able to take like a bitter, angry little man and soften up that heart and fix it to the point where actually, I actually think I'm learning how to love people. I think I am. I, I'm not saying I've arrived. I think I'm learning how to actually love people. He's your savior. He's your mediator. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He's your protector. He's your provider. He's your shepherd. He keeps you safe. I believe this. I don't care what you think. I believe this. I believe things are out to get me. Boogeyman. And I think he's doing stuff all the time to keep me safe. I ain't kidding you. You're weird. I'm weird. You're right. But I really believe that. I really believe that sometimes when somebody gets in front of me and I'm locked in by traffic, God's keeping me from getting killed. I really believe sometimes when things ain't going my way and I'm frustrated, I need to slow down a little bit and just have some faith in God. Just have my heart fixed on God so I'm not all bitter and upset about stuff, but recognizing He's God and He's doing things beyond what I understand. His truth reacheth unto the heavens. He sees it from a perspective I can't see it from. So while I'm here, I better fix my heart on Him and fixing my heart will help my faith. I think that sometimes I need to be sick. For whatever reason, I felt like Wednesday night I was right with God. <laughs> like, all right, Lord, you know what the church needs. You know what maybe Dan needs. You know what, whatever. It's your church. 
I want to be there, but I'm not going to be there tonight. So I sat on my couch and I watched the live stream. It ain't the same as being here. Sure worked out nice when you started saying stuff about me because I was like, oh, gosh, dude, shut up. But I couldn't say that if I was sitting here, you know what I mean? God knows. God understands things you and I don't understand. I think, I think he's shepherding me. You know, he knows when to lead me beside cool waters. He knows when to take me out in a nice green pasture. You know what else? It's, this is weird. You know what else he knows? My shepherd knows when to dry up my brook. I'm where you're supposed to be, Lord. Yeah, I sent you there for the brook. The brook dried up. Yep. Lord, where are the ravens? I stopped sending them. Why are you doing this to me? Now a heart that's fixed on him says, oh, okay. I'll go to sleep until you tell me what to do next. Uh, go on down there. I got a widow that I commanded to sustain you. Why are you switching it up on me? Because I know where I need you. Because his truth reaches unto the heavens. Your truth is contained to a puny little human mind with a very short-sighted ability to see what's actually going on. Sees things we don't see, folks. I'm talking about your faith. You know what he is? He's your head. You know what that resembles? or shows you, or illustrates, authority. You know why most people don't want Bible preaching? Authority. That means something's going to be expected of me in my life. You know what's a shocking thing to me? It's a shocking thing to me to look at nowadays the way corporations are running. The garbage people get away with and keep their jobs, you'd have been fired for back in the 90s. No authority anymore. Nobody wants to be told what to do. Well, it doesn't work. If that's how you want to live your life, you, you, it's a free country. But I am telling you, that doesn't work. You need a head. And you know who he is? His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a preserver. He's our high priest. He's our comforter. That's a great word. Comforter. Do you know you need comfort? The older you get, the more you need it. Or if you're young, the more broken-hearted you are, the more you'll need it. He's a comforter. He's a friend. You know what else he is? I love this one about the Lord. He's a counselor. You know, sometimes I just need some advice. <laughs> Hello. I have learned the value of good advice. The Bible says with good advice make war. That's a pretty high stakes situation. You know what I need sometimes? I need somebody that can sit down and say, hey, well, tell me about it. And they'll actually listen, actually let you talk, actually do something that I'm trying to learn how to do, let you finish your sentences and spell it all out. And that can see past the superficial of what you're saying, but understand what you mean and what's going on, and knows how to get the right details and information, and says, well, have you ever thought about this? Do you know a lot of times in life, literally in life, child-rearing, marriage, finances, all kinds of things, in life, sometimes the answers are actually pretty simple. And just having the right person give you a new perspective, you're like a little, you're not all messed up. 
You're not this complete idiot loser. But you don't have it all together either. You don't already have all the answers. And sometimes just little tiny tweaks make such a humongous difference. Like, oh, why didn't I think of that? Like, duh, I'm smart enough to get that. Well, you weren't thinking of it. Just some counsel. You understand what I'm talking about? You know what is great? To get on my knees and have a God that doesn't interrupt me. And to know, have faith, to know that he hears what I'm saying to him. And here's the beautiful thing about it. you got to have faith. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus Christ said, have faith in God. you got to have faith. you got to know that when you get on your knees and tell him that he actually hears you. And that he actually cares. Here's the beautiful thing. He understands what you mean. Do you know according to Romans chapter 8, you don't know how to pray? Well, I'm just not a good prayer. Exactly. What you mean when you say that is you mean I'm not the preacher and I haven't been saved all these years and I can't pray like some of these guys you call on to pray and just seems to just roll off their tongue like no problem and a beautiful prayer and seems to come from their heart and I don't know how to do that. Well, the Bible says according to Romans 8, none of us do. But the Spirit of God knows our hearts and He knows how to take that heart up and present it to God, hey, the way it needs to be presented. You got to just start talking to Him. And know that he hears you and pour out that heart that you're trying to fix on him it might not be fixed on him because you might be the one that needs to be fixed and while you need to be fixed you can't yet fix your heart on him listen children don't love their parents like parents love their children did you kids hear me hello you don't even understand how much your mama and daddies love you. I hope some of you stick around long enough because in 10 or 15 years, I'm going to tell you. I won't tell you nothing I shouldn't tell you, but I'm going to tell you, like, you understand all your mama was going through when you were a little devil? And all you could think is, oh, she just yells so much. She's such, I, just, I can't believe how she yells at me all the time. You little rat. You don't know what she was going through to try to take care of you. How much she loves you. How much your dad loves you. And sometimes, young men, a dad loves you and don't feel very lovable, okay? Hello. And then you do this whole thing. You look at your dad like, I'll kill you, man. And you look at your mama. Oh, he's abusing me. You look back at your dad. You're like a little demon. Your eyes go, snap, pop, pop, pop. You know how to manipulate that situation. So now mom's getting after dad. Hello. I'm preaching now. He's meddling, stepping on our toes. I'm trying to tell you, kids don't love their parents like the parents love the children. Someday when you got your own, you'll understand. You know what they need when they're little, mom and dad? They need you to fix them. They're born little broken things. You know why they're born broken? Well, go look in a mirror. <laughs> you gave it to them. Amen. And when you fix their hearts, later on they fix their heart on you. That's why the Bible says if you're a virtuous woman, her children shall rise up and call her blessed. They don't call her blessed until they get old enough to experience a little bit of life and look back and go, wow, my parents weren't as bad as I thought. I'm testifying now. My parents weren't as bad as I thought. 
I didn't understand all they had on their plate. I didn't understand all that they were going through. I didn't see life from their perspective. I was just part of the problem because they loved me to death and I was a mess. I'm talking about, I'm talking about understanding God. We're the kids. We don't love him. We don't love him like he loves us. And when we grow up a little bit, we begin to get a separate view of him, a different view of him, a more matured view of him, where it says, hey, listen, yeah, maybe this is you today. God, I need you to fix me. I'm I'm all messed up over here. I don't love you like I should. I'm struggling on this end of things. And I want my heart to be fixed on you. And as you get where David's at, you can say, God, my heart is fixed and I ain't leaving you. Because I trust you. Fixing your heart will help you have some faith in him. And fixing your heart on him will help you fight. Look at verse 9. Moab is my wash pot over Edom. While I cast out my shoe over Philistia, I will triumph. Now, I'm not going to get into the doctrine of it this morning, but this is a second Advent passage, just so you know. But the practical application, the symbolism here, is three different things. You got the Moabites, you got the Edomites, and you got the Philistines. You guys remember the Moabites? You know what they did? Since they couldn't beat Israel, they went and they got a prophet. And he said, hey, Balaam, come over here and curse him. Balaam goes over there, tries to curse him. You know the story, can't do it. God won't curse what he's blessed. So they said, all right, since that won't work, what do we do? Balaam said, I got an idea for you. Intermarry with them. Then get your women to teach them to worship those gods. It worked with Solomon, didn't it? Yeah, the devil knows what he's doing, don't he? This worked before, I'll use it again. Started intermingling and intermarrying with the world. They got a prophet who loved the wages of unrighteousness. It was about the money. Remember the illustration I gave you at the beginning of a well-known heavy metal guy that got saved and even though he was saved, went off with a wicked heart and burnt hurt, sinful heart. By the way, when you hear his testimony, unless he wasn't telling it all, it was simply rooted in a girlfriend that broke up with him. (laughs) Look, man, nine out of ten people have to go through that. Most of you kids ain't going to marry the first one you date. You better keep that in mind. Most people. Well, everybody goes through that at some point or another in their life. But you fester that thing and fester that thing and it becomes a bitterness that can make you millions of dollars and make you famous from a heart. Well, God got him out of it. He broke away. He actually went into his band. The preachers were telling him, what you need to do is go back and witness to the boys. He said he heard clearly from God that God told him, don't even mess with them, get away from them. Well, that's biblical. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I'll receive you. So he went in and he said, fellas, I'm done. You go your way, I'll go mine. I love you guys, but I'm done. And he went his way, broke it off completely. Guess what happened? He wound up in poverty from millions to poverty. 
So then guess what? He goes back. And the preacher's sitting there interviewing him, you know, with his little legs crossed. Talking about leaning to Jesus and give me your story. He said, now, that's, I think it's just wonderful that you're back with the band. So how does that work? Because you guys are polar opposites in the direction you're going. And he said, well, God is weaving his way through and I get to be a little bit of light in the darkness. There's no light at all. The lights are off. He's not bringing God into the equation. Any songs that he writes that have to do with God, you wouldn't know what God he's talking to. He could be talking to any God on the planet. There's no clear doctrine, and it's full of anger. It's full of rage. It ain't the Spirit of God. He said one of the first things that struck him when he walked into the church is he was listening to the music, the congregational music, and he said, this is peaceful. This is fixing me. This is healing my bitterness and my anger. This is real Christian love. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one toward another. You're supposed to be different from the world. You know what the devil's going to try to do? He's going to try to get some of you to intermingle. That's why we're a biblical church. We're not a contemporary church, even though we are contemporary, because contemporary means current with the times. We're here in 2023. We are contemporary, because we're alive now. But we're a biblical church. Why? Because we're not supposed to be intermingling. That's a trick of the devil. When you go to church and you're getting rock music played to you at church, even if you're putting Jesus' name to it, that's the Moabites. When lost people don't feel any conviction, they come and sit in church and feel comfortable to be there and to stay lost and to stay living in sin, but have a little Jesus, that's demonic. I want to pack this place out with lost people. I want to reach lost people. I want them to come and hear the Bible preached, and I want them to feel the convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God and recognize that's what I need. And I'd rather stay small and grow slow, but have something like that. Boy, I'm telling you, you've got to have your heart fixed if you're going to be able to fight against the Moabites. Because the spirit of this world is you need to give in to the pressure to be contemporary and to stop standing for something straight. Stop being so dogmatic and stop being so caught up. The devil get in your head and say, well, I got caught up in it. And I got, you know, that's what he said. He said, I got way too serious. <laughs> you got too serious about God? How is that possible? You realize you won't get so serious about God that he makes you go become a monk? I said, you won't get so serious about God. I'm talking about the God of the Bible, being in the Bible, and letting the Bible conform you to the image that God wants you. I'm talking about that kind of serious about God. Like doctrinally sound, in that book, he will never pull you out of the world and put you over there in some kind of a monastery. He'll, he'll use you to reach people. You'll be real, and your life will be real. And the fight against this thing, you've got to fight against that spirit of compromise. Don't ask me to compromise. Don't ask me to stop preaching. Just don't do it. You're not going to, I know. You asked me to keep going, but don't ask me. I don't mean like stop like hours on end. I mean like stop being a Bible preacher on Sundays. Don't ask me for that. God's chosen the foolishness of preaching and we need to be able to stand against that stuff and the only way to do it is have your heart fixed on the one thing that matters. That is God Almighty. 
Preaching will fix their hearts. Another one's the Edomites. You guys remember that, don't you? You, you know where Edom came from? That's Esau's lineage. You know what he did? He sold his birthright for one pot of food. Yet you got to fight against? you got to fight against the temptation to sell your birthright, the new birth, your walk with Christ, your salvation, to sell that thing for the things of this world, for your cotton-picking belly. The devil will come along with you young men. The devil will come along and give you a girl. I'm telling you, I watch it so many times. When I lead them to Christ and they're single young men, I tell them, okay, there's two things that's going to happen. Number one, you're going to finally get a girlfriend. You're going to bring her to church and she's going to hate me and hate the church. Or you're going to get a call and it's going to be a good job on Sunday morning. Seen it happen? Don't sell your birthright. Good jobs come and go. What are you going to do if Biden gets reelected and then doesn't make it because he won't and Kamala's the president? You all lose your jobs. Aren't you glad you sold God out for that? Don't you know that when the brook dries up, he can send you to a widow's house? And when he puts you back there by the brook, he can send ravens to come feed you? Don't you know God will take care of you? Don't sell your birthright for the things of this world. Some of you teach your kids the wrong stuff. By putting sports ahead of church. I would rather my kids, even if they had the potential to be the number one sports hero in the world all over the TV, what good is that if they wind up wrecking their life and not serving Jesus Christ? What good's that going to do them in 50 years? They'll have money. Yeah, what if they're miserable and divorced and their life's a train wreck? What if they're not? What if they spend their whole life and all the success and, quote, happiness without God in the picture? What's that, what good's that going to do them when they stand before Jesus Christ? I'm not telling you God can't give you money. I know he can. Amen. I think, I think that'd be great. I mean, I don't know why the Catholics and the Muslims should get all the rich people. I think we should get some too. Amen. Amen. Hello. That's how they build the big buildings, right? I'm just trying to tell you it ain't ever worth selling out for. It's your, your tithe checks not important than, more important than your presence in church. I'd rather see you here walking with God, having a heart that's getting fixed by God and that's fixed on God than have all the money in the world. The devil will do it. You've got to fight against it. Against the Philistines. That's in verse number nine. That's those giants. You know what those Philistines were? Those were, those were prodigies of the sons of God. Those were a byproduct of fallen angels leaving their first estate, coming down, taking on the form of humans, and then, and then intermingling and marrying with the women to try to destroy the seed because they saw the seed coming, and the seed was Jesus Christ. It shall bruise thy head, but it shall bruise thy heel, not shall bruise his head. The devil wanted to destroy that seed, so he sends these fallen angels come down, and they start breeding with the women to try to mess up the seed to keep the Son of God from coming. All the sons of God and daughters of men, all those Bible believers, they're so stupid about all that stuff. You're a moron. You don't understand your Bible. Very demonic thing. That's why God drowned the world out. And they were into so much wickedness and debauchery that he killed the animals too because the animals had even become perverted by the immorality that was going on. Why would God kill innocent animals? Your mind's about that deep. You don't understand what was going on. 
Don't ever judge God. His truth reaches up to the heavens. He knows more than you know. And he'll never do wrong. What came of them is Philistines. Now that's not the same as some kind of a, a imbalance in the body that happens at birth and there's an abnormal growth. Those people usually have muscle weakness and clumsiness and discomfort and all that stuff. They're not powerful beasts, ridiculously large, great warriors that can move with incredible speed and incredible strength. They had a, they had a growth problem and they're, they're, they're not dangerous. These things were demonic. And you don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the darkness of this world. But listen to me, hear me. I'm telling you right now. The devil knows how to put pressure on you, on your kids, on your wife or your husband, on your home. That goes beyond what's normal. You go on and look it up. It's normal. It's normal. Hear me? It's normal for you to have pressure. It's normal for you to go through phases of life where it's all just out of whack, man. It's all cockeyed and cattywampus. You understand what I'm saying? No, you're northerners. Anyways, it's messed up. That happens to everybody. The difference for a saved person, hear me out. The difference for somebody trying to serve God is when you're going through those things, the devil puts pressure on that he's not putting on lost people. Does that make sense? So don't get all like super spiritual. Oh, this is demonic. This is the devil. Oh, no, this is life. Relax. In your nose, out your mouth, everything's going to be okay, all right? In 100 years, it won't matter at all. You're not dying. You will be in 100 years, okay? Right? Sorry. You understand what I'm saying? It's normal. But you as a saved person will get extra pressure on you because the devil knows when to show up and push your buttons. He sees that weakness. You know what will get you through it and bring you out of it better, not bitter? A fixed heart. In other words, if your heart's broken, you need God to fix it because the devil sees that and will try to get in there. But if your heart's not broken, you better make sure your heart's fixed on the Lord because he'll pull you through it and bring it out better in the end than it was before. Watch this and we'll close. Look at the last couple verses. Verse 10. Who will bring me into the strong city? Who will lead me into Edom? Wilt not thou, O God, who hath cast us off? I told you it's a second advent passage. It's Israel. Wilt thou not, O God, go forth with our hosts? Give us help from trouble. For vain is the help of man. Now watch. Through God we shall do valiantly. For he it is that shall tread down our enemies. You know what having your heart fixed by God and on God does? It holds your feet on the right path. You know what he's saying? Who's going to bring me into a strong city? You know what that tells you? He wasn't in a strong city at that time. That takes us back to his faith. And the fight that he was in was overwhelming him. And he needed his feet to stay on the path and he was afraid that he wasn't going to make it. And he's saying, God, my heart is fixed on you. Who's going to bring me into a strong city? You will. See the faith? 
He knows that God had cast him off, so there's some guilt there. But he says God's going to go forth with our hosts. And then what he does? Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. You want your feet to stay on the right path? You better fix your heart on God. And you know what that means? When you're getting overwhelmed by life and by circumstances and by things, don't get bitter. Don't turn your heart away from the Lord. Fix your heart onto God and you cry out to Him and ask Him for the help you need because He'll help you. Give us help from trouble for vain is the help of man. You know how many times I've talked to people that are in a really desperate spot and here's what they say to me, especially if they've been in their Bibles for any length of time or in church any length of time. I already know everything you're going to say. You know a lot of times when they say that, they do. Other times it's like, They think they do, right? (laughs) You know what I say to the people that really already do? Yeah, I know you know. So guess what? You come to me for help, but really I'm not the one that you need to help you. He'll help you. You say, does everybody get helped? Nope. Unfortunately. Yeah, I just said that. No. You know why? I think it's because it's the heart. I will say this. I believe with all my heart that every single person whose heart really wants help, I mean really genuinely wants help, gets help. He is not a cruel God. He does not enjoy watching you suffer. He will not turn away a patient who comes to him bleeding out saying, please help me, save me, help me, I need your help. He won't turn them away. Give us help in our tr- trouble for vain is the help of man and then watch it through God. We shall do valiantly. For he it is that shall shred down our enemies. You know what I like about God? I got enemies that put pressure on me. I've never seen them and you've never seen them, but they're there. You you know what I know something I know about my enemies? They know my name. I've never seen them, but they're there. Because of who I serve, because of who I love, because of what I want to do with my life, because of what somebody that loves me can do with my life, they're there and they know me. And they know you, and they know my family, they know my weaknesses, they know my patterns, they know my strengths, they know my past. They just don't know my future. But they want to twist my future. Talking about a fight. You know the only way to make it? Fix your heart on God. When you really fix your heart on God, He'll stomp out your enemies, boy. He'll take care of things for you. You can't take care of for yourself. But you got to fix your heart on God. And you know why some people can't fix their heart on God? Because first their heart needs to be fixed by God. And if you'll come get your heart fixed by God, then you better make sure you take the responsibility once he's fixed it to fix your heart on God. Now I'm going to say this and I'm going to close. See verse 2? Awake, psaltery in heart. I myself will awake early. He takes personal responsibility to wake himself up. To get to God. The number one 
greatest tool the devil has is complacency. I have, I've been in Haiti. We'll actually talk a little bit about it tonight because of Roman, Revelation chapter 16. I've been in Haiti. I've seen voodoo and witchcraft up close and personal. The most demonic people and things I've ever seen in my life don't have feeling one way or the other. They're not angry. They're not spewing out all that bitterness that those guys are trying to get out. There's actually hope for some of those guys because they're, they're, they're still hurting. They're expressing it. The most vile people you'll ever meet in your life that do the most atrocious things don't feel it. No anger, no joy. No conviction, no whatever would be the opposite of just numb. It's Laodicean. It's lukewarm. You know what the devil's done to a church? To keep us from getting something done for God? To keep us from walking with him and loving him and developing that relationship? I'm good. Got my job, got my family, everything's together. No, my heart's not broke. I'm good. If that's you, wake it up this morning. Say, God, I got to get out of this and I want to learn to love you like I should and fix my heart on you. Do you need to be fixed? If you need to be fixed this morning, would you please, I'm begging you, please get fixed before you leave this room. Please. I'm begging you. As an ambassador for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you, begging you in Christ's stead, Please, if you need your heart fixed, get it fixed this morning. I mean, if you're hurting, come to him. And if your heart is fixed or has been fixed, would you please fix it on him? Fasten it to him. Let's stand on our feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.